Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff to spice up the bedroom is even better. Whether you're buying a gift for your sugar baby or just for yourself, you can get 50% off at adamandeve.com when you enter the code CANDY at checkout. And that's not all. Adam and Eve will include 10 tantalizing free gifts, a sexy item for him, a special gift for her, and a third item all partners can enjoy. Plus, you'll receive six free spicy movies. But the best part is the free shipping. You can get all of this at adamandeve.com using code CANDY at checkout. That's C-A-N-D-Y. So Shelby, what are you getting me? Candy Girl Podcast. Fuck me, Daddy. <laughs> hey, all you candy sluts and bubble butts. Welcome to a very special episode of Candy Girl. I'm one of your hosts, Emily. I'm Shelby. And I'm Cactus. And we're here with Freak in the Tweets podcast today. Please introduce yourself. Um, hi, my name is Lily. Uh, I go by Lily Hope on SW Twitter, and I am the host of Freak in the Tweets, which is a new podcast that I created about the online sex work community. What was the inspiration behind Freak in the Tweets? Um, so funny. Um, it was actually a tweet that my friend, like in my vanilla life, uh, tweeted out literally saying I'm a freak in the tweets. And I laughed for like a good minute at it. Um, I messaged her and I was like, Hey, can I retweet this on, on my, um, sex work account? She was actually the first friend I told I was a sex worker. Um, and she was like, yeah, do it. And then right after that, I was like, I put a poll out and I was like, what if I created a podcast called Freaking the Tweets? And all of my friends were like, do it. Can I be on it? So that's literally how it started, like, in the summer. And what's generally, like, the topics that you cover? I've recorded, like, a handful of episodes so far. I'm, like, pretty new still. Um, but mostly I have um, other sex workers on and I've interviewed them not only about their lives like in the sex industry, but also like what they like to do outside. So um, I had some people on who were talking about um, Black Lives Matter protests. I had some people who talked about like what they do with their kids, like in their off time, uh, like baking, like other interests. and. That's like really important to me to talk about too. Um, I think it goes along with the mission of your podcast beautifully as well. Um, Really just like humanizing sex workers and reminding people that we're still people too. Um, Yeah, I'm like really into politics as well. So I think all of my episodes are inherently political because I just like talking about that. So the interesting thing that we're going to cover today is sex work representation in media. And we're specifically going to be talking about Hulu's new documentary, uh, Selling Sexy. Uh, It's an OnlyFans documentary, so something we all have a, a grasp on. And I, while I was watching it for this episode, I was thinking about the humanization and how they're trying to humanize these sex workers in the documentary. And I definitely want to touch on that. But 
Emily did a little bit of research and she is going to give us all the facts about what the documentary is. And then Lily, because I know we talked about this a little bit in Instagram DMs, but maybe we can talk about why we're covering it um, on the show. So OnlyFans Selling Sexy, an ABC News original that premiered February 10th, 2021. In it, we cover a vast array of topics, but can you really cover every single topic under the sun when it comes to sex work in only 50 minutes? Not gonna lie, it took us a... <laughs> it took me a hot minute to figure out if it was a series or if it was just kind of a one-and-done thing. I'm leaning towards one-and-done thing, even though on Hulu it says TV series, kind of misleading. Because um, after I watched it, I was like, oh, what a great introduction and i can't wait to see the other episodes and then after looking into it what other episodes um so yeah where where do we even start i guess i'll start with my first opinion i didn't hate it like i think i think it like provides a really good introduction to people who are brand new in like just starting to learn about the sex industry um and i'm glad that they had actual sex workers obviously when covering such a marginalized group and it's a what am i what am i trying to say yeah i mean when you only follow five people and the sex work community is huge you can't include everybody and it would be impossible to do a 50 minute thing on everybody's point of view and everybody's experiences but overall i I thought the information was accurate, even if there were some topics that I wish they would have covered. I have a somewhat similar opinion. Like, I didn't hate it. Like, I wasn't as uh, underwhelmed as I thought I was going to be. But kind of like what you said, I didn't really think that they interviewed um a very include like sure they had um you know sex workers of color and they had different types of backgrounds for people and uh both men and women i don't know if they had any um um the lgbtq uh they didn't really talk about that but um I think that what I've heard from the community a lot um, on Twitter, Instagram, and just in my own personal opinion is, yes, they did interview only like five people, but why did they have to interview all the people that are making the most money? They didn't really interview like the most average people on there. They're interviewing the people who are making a bunch of money. Um, and as much as I want to highlight and congratulate those people for like killing it on the platform, because, you know, we all have those kind of goals, but I definitely would have loved to see their perspective talking about, um, people like me more amateur, but you know, not making in the top percent. Um, I know we, on this podcast, uh, we have had, uh, people in the top percent and we've had people in the bottom percentage and it's just really interesting to be able to get um, a whole not a 360 view because you can't really do that because there's so many types of people on OnlyFans but I would have loved to hear more from the quote-unquote average sex worker um, and then I think it was interesting that they highlighted people that 
were not technically, they're like, sure, I do quote unquote sex work, but I don't, there was one guy who was like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this for the money, which is great. Absolutely. But he was there not as a sex worker. He just wanted to do some like almost nude modeling. So very implied, very lewd, um, which is great, but it's because he didn't want it to affect his future, which is also something we could talk about and, and only fans versus what people's future are. But I just think I would have really liked to hear from different types of people. What do you think? Okay. Um, Cactus, I agree with most of what you said, and I agree with, like, a lot of what Emily said. I watched it, and I was like, this is cute. Like, I'm not, I'm not mad at it, but the more I thought about it, um, also, like, full disclosure, I, like, kind of watched it when it was, like, really late at night, and I was very tired, but, um, that could also skew my opinion, but I, um, I mean, I agree that it's great they had men and women, and, and it's like definitely like a women dominated industry. But for me, like I'm non-binary, they had no non-binary people. Um, and that honestly, that contributes to people saying like non-binary people don't exist because when you don't include us in statistics, in any sort of media, it's very easy to be like, yeah, like both genders were represented. So that's like one take there again like the lgbtq plus umbrella is so wide that like i would have just been happy if if the guy who is you know pandering to the gay community was actually gay um at, at that point i would have just been like oh okay thanks um but Again, like not giving out ally cookies. We're over that in 2021. Um, yeah, I think presenting it in a way that glorifies OnlyFans is kind of, I mean, they talked about Bella Thorne and her kind of breaking OnlyFans with her presence and like making so much money for her first day. Um, but like, when you glorify the platform and only show people who have major success, that's gonna prompt a lot of probably young and naive people to just be like, cool, I'm making an OnlyFans right now. Um, and that's something that I saw like with people like Bella Thorne joining and like earlier last year, like Caroline Calloway joined, um, just like, a lot of other um, creators who are famous for other things, like, yeah, cool, like, celebrate your body, but also you're just kind of disregarding that this is a means for a lot of people's survival um, or primary source of income, and you have income. Like, that's gentrifying. I think they said it in the documentary. It's gentrifying the space. Um, yeah, I've been talking a lot, but those are my thoughts based on what you two said. I absolutely agree with what you said about the um, Bella Thorne and these celebrities coming in and gentrifying this space that made it possible for people to make income. And now um, I actually sent this to the Candy Girl Instagram and we posted on our Instagram story today. There's a tweet of somebody who reposted of this 
I'm not going to say their gender, but I, I was going to say girl, but, you know, um, person who may, uh, bought their first apartment because of OnlyFans. And then somebody retweeted it, quoting and saying that the, oh, like, there's a top percentage. They make most of, like, 73% of the income that people make on OnlyFans. So it's, like, a very skewed um, perspective of what people actually make and, um, kind of takes away that space from the people who are really, really trying uh, to be seen. And then, you know, I think we've heard, um, even on our last episode, when we talked to Ivy Plant Gal, um, we talked about promotions and all these ways that these top people are making money off of the bottom people just to be able to the rise to the top. But that's not something, of course, that was talked about in this documentary. Um, but what I think... I, I so when I joined OnlyFans in 2018, um, it was it was like an adult friendly. It was kind of like Patreon that happened to be like adult friendly, and everybody's like, okay, let's like try it out. So it was mostly marketed. They allowed it and had card processors for adult performers, but I don't think that that was their main goal for um, how they started. Um, and I think that's why they continue to only boost creators who are celebrities and who are not sex workers. Like, not anywhere on their platforms will you see them talking about sex workers at all. They don't promote them. They always promote, like, oh, they actually, they talk to this guy, Donnell, um, Ron, uh, whatever his name is, I'll find it, um, Donnell Rawlings. Um, and they, like, approached him asking him to come onto the platform because they wanted it to be less sex worker central. Um, so I definitely think there's, like, a skewed perspective of what OnlyFans is trying to make um, and how they're, this entire environment and what's being created right now is making it harder and harder for people who want to make it their only income to be able to make that. Yeah, and they did address that in the documentary, which I'm glad that's something that they touched on. Yeah, to acknowledge my own bias going into it, I already had a negative opinion of it. Um, so I I was trying to acknowledge that as I was watching it. And I will give it that um, they did a good job of interviewing people who acknowledged the difficulty that comes along with sex work that it's not and even though the only like sex workers that they interviewed were like top creators so like it kind of featured this misrepresentation of only fans that you'll get on and you'll make eight thousand dollars on your first video which we know isn't true um they did have a couple of like experts in or like journalists and, and people saying like you know this is this is a little bit more nuanced than that. Sex work is is more work than just like you take a naked photo, you make $8,000. So I did appreciate that. I did think the documentary focused way too much on celebrities usage of OnlyFans. And I think that's on purpose. Like I think they were trying to take this angle of like OnlyFans is this popular new app, but it's sexy. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> I guess. Um, so I really do want to touch on. So a, a big issue that they discussed in the documentary was celebrities are bringing more attention to OnlyFans and therefore it's helping sex workers because now people are aware of the platform. But as we know from like the Bella Thorne situation and 
um, just in general, other like celebrities joining this platform that doesn't happen. They either ruin the platform for other people or they're making a bunch of money that like could be saved for people who actually need it when these celebrities really don't need to be making all that much money. And so I wrote the question down, can celebrities normalize sex work? Is that something that's even possible? The floor is open. Um, yeah, I'm reflecting. Okay. Okay. I, I have a thought. Um, um so I actually joined Maybe. OnlyFans in 2020. I'm one of the many people who did. Oh, oh no, what happened? We're we talking at the same time. <laughs> I'll shut up. Oh, oh no, no, you, you go. I, I don't have a thought. I am a thought. So like. Now I want that on a t-shirt. I don't have a thought. I am a thought. I'll wear it whenever I get high. Um, so, <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm one of the many creators who joined OnlyFans in 2020, although I joined like pre-pandemic. So I had been doing like a research on it for like several months because I, I mean, like I'm an Aries sun, but like also like Aquarius moon, Libra rising. Like I like to be contemplative before I make my decisions most of the time um, instead of like just taking a huge risk. Um, but I like started by like creating my like Twitter, like my SW Twitter and like just following um, other creators who were my friends like in real life. And through that, I like started following their uh, sex work friends and just kind of seeing like basically doing market research. Like there's a lot of stuff going on here. Where do I fit in? Do I fit in? Um, I think the first like celebrity who I saw using celebrity um, that I saw using OnlyFans in the pandemic, like for sex work, was Caroline Calloway. And I mentioned her before. I don't know if you know who she is, but Caroline, yeah, okay, you're nodding. <laughs> um, so, like, everybody listening, if you don't know who that is, um, just Google her. You'll find out, like, in two seconds. So, Caroline Calloway is, like, basically the first Instagram influencer, and she exists because she wrote fancy captions on her Instagram when it first came out and kind of turned it into, like, a storytelling blog type of place. And... The newspapers love her now, and she has a book coming out called Scammer, which she pre-sold, and no books have been delivered. Um, cool. So, yeah, funny. Um, yeah, so she joined OnlyFans, and I, like, am one of those people who ironically likes Caroline Calloway, and during the pandemic, I was like, wow, I'm gonna, like, invest my time in reading about this person. Um, because it was very entertaining, um, and I was furloughed, and my other jobs are all in the performance industry, so they were, like, put on halt, and I was like, cool, I'm reading about Caroline Calloway, this is my, like, fun thing to do. She joins OnlyFans, and I was like, what? I'm on OnlyFans. How did she get so many followers? And I was like, okay, is she taking away, like, my clients? Probably not. This is like technically um, 
a glorified Patreon for her followers and like people who like her to see more about her life. And they mentioned this in the documentary as well um, with some other celebrities who don't use the platform for sex work. Um, so like, it's just like a glimpse into like, that's what Cardi B was using it for or still using, I'm not entirely sure on that uh, front, but it's just like for the fans. However, um, and at first I was like, okay, cool. Like she's normalizing sex work. But then, however, it comes back to this whole like gentrifying the space aspect. Um, if you enter a space that is um, inherently filled with marginalized people and sex workers are marginalized people, you have to acknowledge the privilege in which you enter the space. So if Caroline Calloway had entered and said, I know I'm joining OnlyFans, I have this big platform, I'm going to make more money than most people do when they first start off. I recognize that um, sex work is like a struggle and all of these things. If she had started off the bat with it, it, it would have been better. Um, after a while, she did acknowledge her impact on the platform. Um, and she kind of acknowledged it as like, people were criticizing me because you think that I'm rich because I have like some sort of fame, but I'm not, I have debt. I was paying off my debt. Um, she went into that and she's still on the platform. So it's like, where do you stand now where a celebrity acknowledges their impact, but continues to do the work that's harmful to marginalized groups? That's not like only applicable with online sex work. I feel like that's been the theme of the past year. Putting that out there, if anybody had any more thoughts on that. Uh, I was just going to respond to the part of like, what else could we do or what could have made um, something better for a celebrity to enter a space. And I remember the whole Bella Thorne thing. And then when she apologized, she said she was going to start using her platform to like promote other sex workers. And that didn't really happen. She didn't fall through with that. Um, so I feel like even when people say like, oh yeah, I'm going to change my situation. They just, it's all words, you know, all talk, no action kind of stuff. Um, I feel like if people actually pulled through and gave back to the community, gave to organizations like Red, Red Umbrella Project, or just donated to random sex workers or followed their pages, like, just giving back in any type of way, um, would have been actually helpful rather than, um, stealing, I, like you said, you're, you're not stealing the actual clients that we would have had. Like, I'm not gonna have Cardi B's people because they're looking for something different on her page than my page. But there is this idea, like you said, of gentrification and of making the space now, um, like when the Bella Thorne thing happened, we lost the ability to be able to tip more than $50. Uh, we lost a lot of abilities. And I feel like because people come into this space not aware or educated. And also, I will call out OnlyFans for making it absolutely difficult uh, to join because they don't make any of their rules very clear. Um, they're very bad at customer service. There's a lot of things that we should call the actual platform out on. Um, 
And especially the fact that they approach celebrities to come on the site just so that they can make money, not necessarily boosting sex workers, helping them make money, because I feel like that's, they're known for being, oh, you got an OnlyFans? When you hear OnlyFans, you don't think of, like, BTS. You don't think of going to some guy's podcast. Like, you think of, oh, this girl's got uh, nudes, or this guy, or this person, or, um... You know, it's they're sexy. That's what they're doing there is it's sexy content, and that's what I'm here for. Um, but OnlyFans absolutely deny. I guess first of all, oh, sorry, we had a little bit of a network issue. Um, so sorry to cut Cactus off, but we're back, and Shelby, take it away. I was going to say that just because celebrities join OnlyFans and there's more awareness of the platform doesn't necessarily mean those people are subscribing to sex workers content or using the platform for any other reason than to watch their favorite celebrities. And so therefore, I don't think it really helps sex workers in any way because I don't, I don't feel like the people who are joining for the celebrities are staying for other sex workers. I feel like when you join OnlyFans, it's for specific creators that you already like. I mean, I think that that's, like, okay to, you know, just want to see behind the scenes of your favorite celebrity. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I think that's kind of where Patreon began, and then OnlyFans is kind of taking that model into something that felt more, I guess... They all have terrible interfaces. I'm just going to say that. That has nothing to do with this. But I just got to say that, especially OnlyFans, is just, is really not great. Yeah, go ahead, Lily. Yes, can we get an app, please? Like a, like an app that works. That's, that's all I want in this life. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I would agree that people who come for the celebrities or for any creator for that matter are just coming for that creator, like, they're probably not going to subscribe to other people unless they follow their promotional uh, accounts or another platform of them. Like, they, you don't randomly discover people on OnlyFans. Um, I mean, that's part of the appeal of it and where it differs from other sites where you can get, you know, your adult content and your porn um, is that it is paid. Everything's behind a paywall um, unless you have a free account. And then people who have free accounts are going to put up like pay-per-view videos. Um, so it's very different from just like logging onto Pornhub, searching whatever you want to watch and clicking it. Like it's a much more personal experience. Um, so I don't know if a world exists when where celebrities can um, I guess, fairly promote OnlyFans. Like, they uh, they talked in the documentary about Beyonce, like, giving OnlyFans a shout-out and that, like, leading to it kind of blowing up, like, a mini, a mini surge in usership. But that doesn't mean that that's sustainable. Is that even true? I feel like the reason Beyonce put that line in the Savage remix is because OnlyFans was already a big pop culture thing. Like the pandemic had been going on for a month at that point and that's when OnlyFans shot up because everyone was losing their jobs. 
But I thought it was weird that they just kept bringing up Beyonce. Right. Like, I'll be honest, like, my familiarity with OnlyFans has nothing to do with Beyonce. I was like, cool. She referenced TikTok and OnlyFans. Everyone's favorite quarantine activities because everyone's bored in the house and in the house bored. Um, yeah, like I, I, it was definitely, I feel like a moment that came out of culture instead of her influencing culture, but maybe it did bring some people to look it up and join. Who knows? Yeah, the documentary to me felt very out of touch with um, the ethics behind celebrities being on OnlyFans, specifically starting with Bella Thorne being the photo, the first thing you see when you click on the documentary. I thought that was clickbaity and kind of gross. But um, it did do a couple of things well. I thought it explained the logistics of OnlyFans pretty well, like for somebody who's unfamiliar with the platform, what it looks like, um, how creators get paid, how the site gets paid. Um, and there was a girl on the documentary who lost her real job um, because her coworkers found out she had an OnlyFans, which I thought was something important to show because that, that does happen, unfortunately. I think it also showed that it's a real job, that there's so much work that goes into it. From watching the documentary, I don't think people would say, oh, this is a fast way to make, like, a few thousand bucks. No, yeah, I would agree. But at the same time, if you're only following people who are making lots of money, and I consider everyone they covered in that documentary to be making, like, a good amount of income from OnlyFans, like, it's still glorifying it. Like, I'm I'm kind of just over things that glorify sex work or claim to be pro-sex work that are not um that's something that i um shelby like when we were talking about what do we want to talk about uh on this episode i was like i really want to start like something about sex work on screen and how sex work is portrayed um in the media and like how that impacts my job um I don't think that I've ever seen an accurate representation of sex work in movies or in popular culture because it's so taboo. I would even say that, like, people, you don't see a lot of sex worker stories because the sex work space is an inherently queer space. There's a very disproportionate amount of people who don't make as much money and it, it is a survivalist industry. And like those are things that we're not used to seeing on the screen yet. You know, like we're we're barely starting to get queer stories to come out now. And I feel like Hollywood is just like, oh, my God, we can't like you just can't talk about sex work without talking about a bunch of other issues that Hollywood doesn't want to touch on in fear of not making money from the movie by doing that, if that makes sense. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you didn't. You didn't. Um, that just honestly, that that hit the nail on the head. And I think you said it better than I could have. Oh, I remembered what I was going to say. Um, yeah. Uh, can we talk about how, like, you mentioned it's a queer, it's an inherently queer space. Um, and, like, it is a place for people to explore their identities, their gender, and the world is so, so afraid of, I think, 
gender and like breaking gender norms still like that we can't even respect people's freaking pronouns um and now everyone thinks that pronouns are being active allies if you use them correctly um but like even in uh i don't know if you saw the prom but like i'm a musical theater person so i was all up on that movie when it came out on netflix but like james corden a straight cishet man playing a characterization of a a gay man is like still where we're at and it's 2021 we can't even cast queer people to tell queer stories in a movie about queer stories that's like that's what we're operating with so of course we're not going to be able to like normalize and celebrate sex work we can't even get past white gay men there was um one person who talked about it being patriarchal um i read it down somewhere in my notes but i the patriarchy has to do with queer it has to do with um sex work it has a lot to do with how a lot of marginalized groups of people have come into this group of sex work um which is a beautiful wonderful space as you were saying lily for people to explore their queerness and to explore their gender and explore um sexuality and just explore their bodies um but there is this thing of this patriarchy where I I think this kind of has to go with a lot of different people who were um, uh, interviewed in this uh, documentary is uh, the reasons that they either got into it or the guy who was catering to gay men, even though he wasn't, um, which I think is kind of not the same as James Corden playing a gay man, but I think it's in that sense of, like, um, playing a role that you're not, which I guess kind of is sex work, too, because you are playing a role that technically you're not, but putting on something that's taking away from other gay men or other people, um, of any different type of either marginalization or fetish or, um, just literally anything that could use that money. Um, I, I think I was a little bit bothered, but also <laughs> that was a little bit, you know, uh, I, I think it gets confusing for me because I'm, I'm not a, a man in the industry as well. Um, I don't know what it's like to be able to cater to mostly men and have to worry, I quote unquote worry, um, but to think about your sexuality in a different way to cater to people because, um, I know a a large group of, this is scientific studies have shown that a lot of group of women, um, enjoy gay men porn um but i don't know if they're necessarily the people the who are most active on OnlyFans and paying for subscriptions um so i don't know what your kind of take is on that lily i'd love to know your perspective on um what you think as a person who um who was also queer um i do identify as queer but um i'd love to know how you think about that kind of uh, space and how he um, is navigating and how you think 
um, men in this uh, industry are kind of under this patriarchal thing to be able to make money in a different way. That's a really, really good um, point, Cactus. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, Actually, the next episode that I'm releasing, I did with my friend Dio, um, who recently came out as a gender non-conforming trans feminine person, um, and she's black, um, but she was assigned male at birth, and it's okay for me to say that. She's, like, given me permission to say that, um, but I have, like, been, uh, sex work friends with them for quite a long time, um, and we've talked a lot about, like, the struggles of being, like, a perceived man in the industry and like having to cater to women but more towards men and like masculine presenting people like more towards that uh niche and like like gay porn um where uh it it was like a lot of pressure to to both like I don't want to speak for them obviously like I'm still like a feminine presenting person. Um but they they were telling me um that it's it's really hard um to fight like personal expression and also like what people want out of masculinity. Um and I think that also like it goes back to the patriarchy like you were saying. Um and even to to white supremacy i think like white supremacy is like what sets up all of this oppression like racial oppression ableism um oppression based on like your pro- like production like uh, a product-based society and and capitalism obviously product-based society instead of like a practice-based society um and just like being very results oriented and like setting up hierarchies of people where like the closer you are to a white able-bodied um attractive air quotes um cis gender heterosexual man who is christian like the the closer you are to that ideal and normal the easier you have it in life or the less you have to deal with oppression and like less you have to check your uh or like know about your privilege i've gone on a tangent um again i like politics but um it's it's all interconnected and i yeah i i could talk about this forever um but I think you originally asked about like being a queer person um and what I think about that but I think like I can't even begin to say that uh that that man in the documentary is like stepping on toes because honestly there's not a space yet for men who want to explore their quote feminine side and create like he was doing that caters towards women because it's so taboo for women to be attracted to quote like air quotes emasculine men does that make sense absolutely that i i love that you put that into the perspective that 
we should be putting more of the focus on um, the space and the environment that was created in the first place, not the people trying to take advantage of these spaces. Um, I guess, that, I mean, that kind of intertwines with why I was talking about the patriarchy um, and why you brought up white supremacy and why it trickles down is... Um, this person is wanting to be able to explore more, but their audience just happens to be that, um, and they're making a money how they want. But I think, um, what, you know, I'd love to have a conversation about is the reason why they were doing only lewd stuff is because they didn't want to destroy future careers, um, that they had, potentially lined up. Um, I forgot what their other, I think they were just like bodybuilding. Um, so I think this is an interesting point. Like we brought up the, the other, um, the redhead girl. Um, I wish I remembered all of their names. We should definitely tag them in the podcast notes, but, um, uh, she lost her job by having an OnlyFans. Um, and then I know that it can potentially, once you make an OnlyFans, that's what I tell people when they first get into the industry is like, you think it's just going to be easy money with you posting a nude or whatever, but there's so much more that comes after that. You risk uh, future careers, money, family, stuff like that. Um, so I kind of understand um why he was doing that and it's absolutely okay dude he does that like I know there's a lot of lewd creators out there and I love them and they make wonderful wonderful stuff and everybody can have their own reasons for it but I think something that um I would love to address is the fact that being a sex worker can make things more difficult for you in the future um which is uh, just another way that we are marginalized because it take oh yes okay <laughs> you can go ahead lily <laughs> no no finish your thought finish your thought i honestly got distracted um but sorry no 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 it's okay i have add so like that's on me um but absolutely about the job thing is i wish that it were easier for people to be able to make the content that they want to on um, on their own page and in their own privacy and whatever they want to do without the fear of losing potential jobs in the future. I mean, yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Um, I know that there are so many reasons people use like a, a stage name or an alias when they're creating adult content. But for me, I'm not so concerned about the doxing apart from like it pertaining to my other jobs like I am one of the people who does not only do sex work like I have so many interests and I'm just like a creator at heart and a storyteller at heart um I maybe I'll regret saying this but I do theater um in undisclosed location and also teach musical theater so like singing music uh acting dance um and different tech theater things like i teach for ages like three through 18 and so i'm constantly wondering 
am I overstepping? Is somebody I work with gonna see this? Um, who do I tell? Because like, obviously, like, I want to have friends who are outside of this community who I can talk to about sex work. But like, how do I know who those people are safe? To, like, how do I know who's safe to talk to about such a taboo thing? Like, I feel like it's so often that sex work is um, viewed as um, as like non-consensual uh, work. I mean, I know Cactus does a lot with this um, on educating community members about co consent and like one, I love that. Thank you for doing that too. Um, it's really important and necessary work because I think a lot of people, I mean, myself, like growing up, going to a church, were told that porn and like sex trafficking were like the same thing. And that's not true at all. So I think a lot of people are still like working off that. I know, uh, I think Shelby, I was listening to your one of your episodes, first like intro episodes with Cactus, where you talked about your Catholic guilt. I was like, like I'm not, I didn't grow up Catholic, but I went to a Catholic uh, college. But like, so I get that. Like, people are still working off their guilt from their childhoods when they were taught to repress all of their like individuality. So people just don't know what to do when you're when you tell them even OnlyFans. They're just like, oh. Okay. I think that's why it's hard for people to come out as sex workers in general um, is because there are so many implications like losing your job, uh, not being able to have safe spaces, like not knowing who to talk to um, when something's going wrong or um, having to hide yourself. Um, I mean, I obviously do have my own alias too. It's not to hide myself from an vanilla job that I have, but I have a lot of friends who our teachers are different kinds of things. So they need to be, um, you know, as uh, private as possible to not worry about harming their future education or job or making anybody uncomfortable because having an OnlyFans as, and now because it's so popular when people hear OnlyFans, they know exactly what it is, um, which I would love to talk to about like this in particular um with dating i know that they um talked about some of the people who had partners who helped them or made content with them or were just supportive in general or helped them with lighting um and i i really i loved that and i wanted to i would have loved to hear more about the behind the scenes part of what having an OnlyFans is like, what it's like in the the house life. Like, I really wish that this were a series rather than just a special made by ABC. Um, I mean, if they want to turn into an actual series, like, or if somebody wants to do that, I'd love to see that and see people who I would love to um, support and, um I'd love to see more behind the scenes of what it's actually like to be a sex worker on this site rather, um, which I, we got a great view, but then we got some people who aren't 
um, sex workers, which is great too. I love that they brought in different people like that. Um, I'm just saying, I really wish this were long enough or they included certain things about OnlyFans for people to be understanding um, less of the sensationalization um, sensationalization. What a great word. Um, or the, you were saying like the glorifying of this website, because now it just seems like, oh, once you're on this, you make a bunch of money. Um, what's it like dating? What's it like? It can, this OnlyFans word now is synonymous to sex work, but people also don't think it's sex work. I'm going into like four different categories right now. So if anybody wants to pick up on what I'm talking about, go for it. <laughs> well, we are, so we're getting a little bit close to time. So I don't want to bring up too many new topics, but I do want, because I think we we critique the documentary really well and we did discuss a couple of you know, good things about it. And I didn't have a ton of good opinions on it. But I know, Emily, you said at the beginning that you didn't think it was like all that bad. Do you want to highlight maybe some of the things that you saw that you thought were educational for people who are like really unfamiliar with the industry? I think when diving deep into really any topic, it's, I mean, five years ago, a documentary like this would have been unimaginable. So at least we're going in the direction of, oh, okay, well, now ABC News is covering OnlyFans. Like, finally, it's being brought to the attention, even though it might not be perfect. And of course, there's still going to be problems with it. I think it's definitely a step in the right direction. Um, I think somebody could watch this and say, oh, I think I want to learn more about this. And then actually, I think people know and even after watching this documentary, it's like, oh, if I actually want to learn more about sex work, I'm going to subscribe to sex workers instead of Bella Thorne, like people who devote their entire lives to the industry. Um, and I think just bringing more awareness, I think it's, I mean, I think it can only be good, <laughs> right? I, I made a funny face, and I'm sorry, Emily, I made you laugh. Um, <laughs> um, but I'd love to respond to, um, thank you for keeping us level, Emily. Um, you know, we can talk shit about how people portray us in media all day long, but there are some things that we should be grateful for. Let's take a moment to be grateful for the fact that <laughs> this is... <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. It's still the bare minimum, okay? Like, we're only just talking about it. But I think it's a really great stepping stone. And, like, like somebody who maybe has never thought about looking into sex work. Like, Hulu is a big-ass platform. ABC. Like, that's credible journalism. Or I actually don't know where they are on the media bias chart. But, like, you can assume it's probably credible. So I think it's a good stepping stone. Lily... I just want to make sure that you have said everything you want to say on the show. Is there anything else you want to add about you or your show or the documentary that we watched or representation of sex workers? Anything? Oh, gosh. Um, 
I first of all, um, thank you all. Thank you to all three of you for um, having me on and just like having such a necessary podcast. Um, I think um, in response to what Emily and Cactus were saying, like, um, and actually you too, Shelby, all of us have been saying like, we wish it were a series. We wish um, this uh, had gone into more detail. I, at the end of the day, I think I'm kind of glad that it didn't um, because it's things like this podcast and my podcast and like so many other things that are made by sex workers that I think um, are the most important. And whenever something becomes mainstream, like the selling sex documentary by ABC that's like on Hulu, um, it, it becomes a watered down version of the truth. Um, and I mean, I guess you can say that about whatever you're listening to or consuming, but um, I think it's important to give sex workers, instead of like necessarily seeking coverage from established um, sources, like I think it's important to empower sex workers like you all are doing to uh, take control of our own narratives. Um, and I guess that's, that's what I'm committed to doing. Um, I really want to do that for myself and also just empower other people um, not only who are in the sex work community already, um, but who may be interested in it to really think about all of the, the levels and how it's such a multifaceted um, job. Yeah, that's me. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Lily. We absolutely loved having you. And this was honestly such a fun discussion. I'm glad that this was something you were like, we should totally talk about. Because um, it's not something I would have considered. Honestly, I would not have watched this documentary had we not uh, discussed talking some representation of sex work in the media. Um, is there ways that our audience can find you and your podcast? Yes. Um, if you want to follow the podcast, I am on Instagram and Twitter at Freak Tweets Pod. You can follow me there. If you want to follow me, myself and I, um, I am on Twitter at Lily Hope XX. And I just made an Instagram. And of course, my username was not available. So on Instagram, I'm at Lily Hope XX dot IG. Um, so you can follow me there and I have like all of my links in my bio if you ever want to look at more things from me. And you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, on Instagram, we're at Candy Girl Podcast, on Twitter, we're at Candy Girl Pod, and we have a website, candygirlpodcast.com with all of our episodes and our store and all that good fun stuff. Oh, resources, we got that too. So check out our website, candygirlpodcast.com, and we will hear from you all later. Stay sweet.
Hug me, daddy. <laughs>